The Loose Cannons are on the air. What are we doing? What are you doing? Steve Hartman. Oh, Hartman's so negative all the time. Hartman's always negative. All right, I'll give you a positive here. And Mike Costa. Mike Costa. (laughs) (laughs) On Extra 1360 Fox Sports San Diego. Welcome to our Thursday edition, The Loose Cannons on Extra 1360 Fox Sports San Diego. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's me, that guy. The guy he is back. Yells all the time. That guy. A pumped fresh. up. Pumped up to be back. I, I, Well, I had to come back for aid day with Costa because uh, we're passing the baton. Yeah. Uh, I have been absent since uh, last Wednesday, and now Costa will be gone tomorrow through all of next week. Correct. You got a big trip coming up. We do. We are we're going to Italy once again. It's one of our favorite places to go. And the one thing we I have not seen, and Topher, my son, has not seen, is the Last Supper. Oh, very so nice. We're gonna go check out the Last Supper. Speaking of suppers, what kind of food are you gonna eat when you're in Italy? How's that you gonna work what? for you? I think it might be Italian food. You think so? <laughs> but their Italian and our Italian are totally different. Way <laughs> different. They're not nearly the Chef por- Boyardee. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not nearly the portion that we suck down here in America. It's all very light. It's small meals. It's little things here it, and there. It always is. I remember the first time I had a pizza in Italy. I go, where's the stuff on the pizza? Yeah, no. I mean, it's like no. dough with some uh, tomato, tomato sauce. Tomato sauce and, and a little bit of cheese or tomatoes. <laughs> like, Come on, man. Where's yeah. the pepperoni? Where's the sausage? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna be staying in this, uh, it's kind of like a little farmhouse um, in Tuscany. Are you going to have milk cows or how's this work? I don't think I'm going to be milking any cows this time around to pay for my room and board. <laughs> but the place we're going, we've stayed before and mm. everything that you you eat right uh, on the property is either slaughtered there or Ooh. grown there as far as vegetables and you don't have to do your own slaughtering though no that's no, done thank for God. you okay and they have their own little winery and oh, uh, the man. wine is cheap mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> all right well you'll be in great shape when you get back i, I know shall that. yeah all right uh well it's, first of all any time i take time off from radio uh, it's difficult for me because I need my daily fix. Sure. You know, a lot of things happened when I was gone. Uh, obviously, the the big thing right off the bat was the passing of Dick Emberg. Very sad. And I was actually working uh, at KTLA that night that it was announced that we found out that Dick had passed away. And, of course, he started his television career in Los Angeles at KTLA. And I talked about growing up with Dick Emberg as a, an L.A. kid yeah. when he was the voice of the Rams and UCLA basketball and the Angels. And uh, so that obviously was very sad to hear the passing about Dick Emberg. And then, of course, got into the weekend as we got ready for all the NFL games, which, by the way, predictably week 16 played out as scheduled. I mean, there were no upsets. The teams that were supposed to win won. teams that were supposed to lose lost. I guess the one exception might be the Lions. You know, they sort of choked up, but they are a fringe team at best anyway. By the way, I guess the big surprise, though, was the Cowboys. You know, oh. at home, you survived the Ezekiel Elliott Here he suspension. Comes. He's coming back. Seahawk team coming off a blowout loss to the Rams. You figure Seattle's done going into Dallas, and instead it was Dallas done. So we we got a lot to catch up on as far as all the playoff scenarios. But I want to I want to talk to you right at the start of the show today about the team that's going to be facing off against the Chargers uh, on Sunday. Uh, by the way, bravo to the NFL for rescheduling the Jacksonville-Tennessee game from morning to afternoon on the East Coast so it goes simultaneous to the Charger yeah. Raider game. And, and you know, whether whether people say it happens or not, it happens. If you're a team that you need some outside help and you know before the game 
that that team has lost and you've been eliminated from playoff contention, there's a letdown. So it's a good idea. I think the only coach you had a problem with it was John Harbaugh because they've had really uh, problems with attendance at M&T Bank Stadium this year. And he said, really, you're going to set it back another three hours on New Year's Eve? Well, first of all, all Harbaugh has to do is beat Cincinnati, and they're in anyway. Well, he says the crowd's important. I mean, you know, <laughs> forget that. I mean, if John Harbaugh, how the Ravens are going to be a playoff team is beyond me. But the fact is, all they have to do is beat the lowly Bengals, which will uh, wrap up the Marvin Lewis era, reportedly, yeah. oh, uh, in Cincinnati. But I, I'm so curious about your Raiders. Yeah, and which Raider team shows up? Right, exactly. I, I'm looking at their six and nine record, and 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 seriously, I mean, when you when you think about the biggest bust teams in the NFL this year, certainly the Giants. Yep. From an 11 win a year to two and 13, they they're at the top of the list. Green Bay's there, but they had a you know circumstance. You lose Rogers, you expect right. I mean that. By the way, that was my NFC Championship game preseason was the Packers Giants. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, my half of my Super Bowl's gone. I had Cowboys Steelers. Cowboys Steelers, yeah. So the Cowboys are gone. So that was another team that was disappointing. But the Raiders, if I had told you before the season, the Raiders would be sitting at six and nine, and Derek Carr has started all fifteen games. I said you were nuts. Right, right. Yeah. Because the thought was going into the year, the Raiders are set offensively. Offensively, their goal. Every weapon you could want plus a great offensive line. Right. It's the defense. You know, you got Khalil Mack and not a whole lot else. So if they could get a little bit of an upgrade defensively, offense will take care of itself. They're going to be in contention to make a run for the Super Bowl. The bottom line is, especially since they fired Ken Norton and put John Pagano in charge of the defense. Play better. They have played better. Pagano looks secure. Right. But the offense has been a disaster. How about this stat? If you hold the Raiders under or 17 points or less, they're 0-9. In games, all six games that they won, they scored 21 or more points. And, and last only, year— They've only had six games this year where they've scored more than 17 points. Uh, listen, I'm not—it's it, it, inexcusable how they have underachieved this year with all that talent. Some of it's on Jack Del Rio. I think a lot of it's on the shoulders of Derek Carr, especially after you sign that monster contract. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they let Bill Musgrave go and this Todd Dow- is a Dowling, Downing, Downing. Downing guy. Uh, it's just it's he and Carr have never connected. And you can just tell that offense is has been out of sync since day one. Well, here is another example of a young coach that was getting some feelers out there. You know, Musgrave's been around the block several times, coordinator with several teams. Well, we can't we can't afford to lose this kid. Oh, God. So we're going to promote him to offensive coordinator, and we'll say bye-bye to Musgrave. And the guy has no clue what he's doing. I mean, Zero. he has ruined their offense. And look, I, and look what he did last year with them. They score from anywhere on the field. They were running up giant scores. Well, people are also going to look at Derek Carr. You know, he got the fat payday. Yeah, it's on him. $25 million a year, second highest paid uh, player in this league. And he way underperformed. And not only him, but Amari Cooper, where has he been this year? And the thing, you know, you look in terms of Amari Cooper and you think, well, you know, he's been hurt. No, he's only missed two games this year. Right. It it shows you the offense ineptitude that – they can't get the ball to Amari Cooper. Michael Crabtree's had somewhat your of a decent— Your tight end is your leading receiver. Jared Cook is your leading receiver. That's not the way that offense was designed. The guy that Aaron Rodgers was all— 
pissed off about because they, he wanted to keep him in Green Bay. And the other thing was, as far as beast mode, I never expected Marshawn Lynch to be the guy. No. But he has been. He's had way more carries than everyone else. It's just a mess in Oakland. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how Jack Del Rio survives. Other than the fact that he did get a contract extension, and Mark Davis is not about to pay, you know, ten million dollars yeah, to, to, to walk away. But well, and what the, Rio, st- the stat you told me before we started the show, yeah, mind-boggling. Yeah, in his years with Jacksonville, he's never won a division title. Nine years as a head coach. Twelve years. Twelve, excuse me. Twelve years. Never a division title. He's had wild cards, but no division titles. No, you know, I think Del Rio is back. I like where John Pagano has the defense. I think the acquisition of Navarro Bowman was a brilliant move by this football team. But, man, you don't be surprised if Downing is out the door, uh, you know, five minutes oh, after that gone. game. He's gone. They're, yeah. they're gonna be, in fact, Del Rio uh, did not give his uh, coordinator a ringing endorsement other than to say, I'm sure he's going to be a fine coach someday. You asked me, before we were talking, putting the show together, you know, what Raider team shows up. Yeah, I mean, here, here's a, go- a golden opportunity, again, since the Tennessee-Jacksonville game will be going on simultaneously, that obviously the Chargers have to win this game. Yeah. And the Raiders trying to play the role of spoiler in front of, by the way, a Raider home crowd, 25,000 Raider fans at StubHub. And Steve, because of the fact that the Raiders know they're playing for nothing more than pride. And and as we, we, Judson and I talked about this yesterday, you know, not only is it your team that's paying attention to how you finish, other teams are going to look at your final game if they're thinking of bringing you on as a free agent, whatever the case may be. The Raiders are going to give it their all. And I think, I think the Raiders go out there and they're just willy-nilly, loose as a goose. And I think the Raiders don't have a problem winning this football game Sunday. I will say this about the Raiders, uh, and we said this before the season began. Was that real last year? Was that 12 and, and really a 12-3 and three record? Remember, then Carr got hurt, and they yeah. lost the last that game in the, the playoff, in the game, playoff the game. Eight and one in, in one-score games last year. The polar opposite of what the Chargers were last year as far as one-score games and they look insanely ordinary. And I think the warning was there last year at the end. Because when Carr dropped, they were garbage. Yeah. I mean, they were just like, they don't have a team here. That isn't that was what sort of caught my eye when everyone was jumping on the Raider bandwagon. I said, Do you realize how much Derek Carr meant to that 12 and 4 record? Well, he, I mean, he was pulling games out. I yes. mean, they were, you know, winning all these close games. When when Carr went down in the playoff game with it was McGloin in there for the Raiders, once Carr went down, that eliminated one half of the Raiders offense. And Texas the Texans are like, "All right, yeah, go ahead. We're going to stop the run. Go ahead and beat us with your arm." Played right into their hands. Now, tomorrow, uh, with you gone, uh, Judson will be here with me. And yes, we will have Friday headlines. You, are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to have Friday headlines for the Charger Raider game. But it is challenging. By the way, the line on this game opened at 7.5 for the Chargers. It's actually crept up to 8. So early money is, is definitely leaning on the Chargers' side. But it's just the whole dynamic of the game is going to be so weird. It is going to be all silver and black fans yes. packed into that soccer stadium. I contend the fact that it, they have played seven road games as it is this year in StubHub. Sunday with the Raiders in town, it will be the largest concentration of opposing teams' fans. As you said, It you may... If, let me put it this way. If there's 500 Charger fans there, I'd be surprised. Right. And then, again, despite the fact that they are in a position, 
you know, the whole dynamic on the Titans-Jacksonville game, this is the one game that may have changed everything was Jacksonville's loss to the 49ers. Because mm-hmm. look at that game. Jacksonville, the number one scoring defense in the NFL, giving up under 15 points a game, gets up 44 to the 49ers. Is Jimmy Garoppolo, is he the league's MVP? He, he's a, lot the only undefe- the, he, a lot of people in the Bay Area think so. He's the only undefeated quarterback starting right now in the NFL that he, I know of. Uh, when I hear people talking about the 49ers, he will make people forget about Joe Montana. That's how great he is right now. Well, he's got everything. He's got the looks. He's got the demeanor. I mean, he They're is— They're thinking Brady West. The way he handles that offense. You see that in the last two minutes? Steve, boom, boom, boom. It, he is a—it is a awesome pickup for John Lynch and the 49ers organization. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, really unbelievable. All right, so the, the the question going into this weekend for me is, what is the state of mind of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Because they lost to the 49ers, they're locked into the three seed. Kansas City's locked in the four seed. That's why Kansas City's going to start Mahomes this week. Yeah. So you get all these teams with the mentality that we're sort of resting, but Jacksonville's not. See, I'm not sure what well, Doug Marone is thinking right there. They say they're not. But, okay, well, let's let's look at this. Bortles will be playing. Their defense is going to be out there. And remember, earlier this year, Tennessee wiped out Jacksonville. So there is a bit of a payback yeah. against a division rival. Plus, Jacksonville doesn't want to limp into the playoffs after that embarrassing loss of the 49ers. And that's what Marone has said. they got to kind of get back into a winning mode. But they're also in a position where they control who they play in the playoffs. That's the dynamic here. Again, how much of a smokescreen is what Marone is saying is it right now with Jacksonville? All right. If you're Jacksonville, and by the way, I want to get to the Rams in a second. A bigger smokescreen. But if you're you're Jacksonville, you control who you will play in the first round. You're locked into the three seed. You're going to play the six seed which is going to be either Tennessee, the Chargers, or theoretically the Bills if both the Titans and the Chargers lose. But you control the game. If Tennessee wins against a vanilla, then you get to play them the very next week and unleash your fury. And what do they always say? Trying to beat a team three times mm-hmm. in the course of a season, it is hard to do. Right, and, and you don't show them anything in the oh, game. No, so there, there's no way, left and right. Yeah, you know, you're not seeing anything because we're going to beat you guys in Jacksonville next week. Unless, you know, if they go out and beat Tennessee and then here come the Chargers to Jacksonville, that's... You don't want to see the Chargers if you're Jacksonville. beat you this year. Should have beaten them. Yeah. Should have beaten them. I mean, I'm still trying to perplex how the Chargers could intercept two passes in the last two <laughs> minutes of the game with the lead and still lose the well, game. And you, you think, you know, you you talk about uh, the Titans pasting Jacksonville early in the earlier in the season. How about the fact that if you're Jacksonville, you're thinking the way the Chargers lost this game, they're not going to come in here breathing a little fire, knowing that they should have beat you. Who would you rather see, Philip Rivers or Marcus Mariota? Marcus Mariota. Any day Mariota has struggled. I mean, they've lost. I don't know four of their last six. He's like six touchdowns, nine picks. Mariota's looked terrible. And uh, I think Marone is saying the right things because you never, you know, the NFL they would they can't stand that you know they're not going to keep their foot on the gas pedal. Steve, I almost guarantee you. It is it's going to look like a preseason offense for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Titans are going to win that football game. All right, well the difference between Jacksonville and the Rams is the Rams are making no bones about it. So you you the Rams are playing the 49ers at the Coliseum. 49ers are red hot. Talk about a line shifting. How about this one? 
So the Rams announced yesterday, everybody's sitting. Goff, Gurley, Aaron Donald, they're all sitting. Well, McVay said he wants those guys fresh. <laughs> fresh. The opening line on this game was Rams by seven in one night, 49ers by three and a half. Have you ever seen literally a 10 and a half point swing in the Vegas line overnight? But if you're the Rams, there's a reason you're sitting everybody. Sure. The Rams are sitting at the three seed right now. They're tied with the Saints and they beat the Saints. If the Rams lose and the Saints win, the Rams drop to the four seed. What's the difference? Well, we know the six seed is either going to be Atlanta or Seattle. The five seed is Carolina. Now, if I'm the Rams at home, I'd rather see, instead of Atlanta or Seattle, a third time with Seattle or Atlanta defending NFC champs, I'd rather see Carolina. But it's the second round. Because as the four seed, if you win that first game, you play the one seed, which is the Carson Wentz-less Eagles, sure. as opposed to Minnesota, in which Minnesota. is the one team that dominated you in Minnesota. If I'm the Rams, I'm going to avoid the Vikings as long as I possibly can. Steve, it's all gamesmanship. No, Absolutely. Ma no matter what these coaches are saying about, well, we're going to keep guys fresh, or since we can't improve our playoff position, whatever the case may be, they are all thinking about that postseason chess match sure. and who they match up with best. Gamesmanship, exactly. Because I, I was talking to Ernie Martinez. By the way, it's good to see Ernie again. It, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You should see him yesterday. He was rocking a cardigan right. with some shorts and some moccasins. Mm -hmm. Really looking good. Well, he told me about his emergency situation. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. he's okay. He's, he's okay. He's, he's good. Me. Yeah. I think scared, he was thinking about, yeah. Scared the crap out of me. I really? Went, I went into full uh, paramedic mode mm -hmm. when he, you know. Was it withdrawal pains of me not being here, was. Ernie? It yeah. Was, we were going in about 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it hit me. Well, you look fine, heart. Ernie. I feel Did fine. you have a nice uh, <laughs> holiday and everything while I was gone? We did, yeah. Yes, very good. But hey, it's funny. I woke up this morning thinking, like, Hartman's back. There I am. Here yeah. I am. <laughs> Got a full blood transfusion. He's ready to go in 2018. Exactly. Another year. Same shirt, same everything. Nothing changes. Found another willing corpse, drained it of the blood. He's ready to roll. Now, since you didn't work, did you still wear your like Tuesday shirt on Tuesday? Or did no, you switch let, it let up me, a little bit? Well, I did. I actually worked uh, every night television up there. I didn't actually have any full days off. And I even did both national radio shows on Saturday, Sunday. But my rotation of shirts doesn't end because those are the only shirts I have. Now, here was the frustrating thing. So on Christmas, here's what I got. You know, I'm in passing, I guess. This was my haul for Christmas, all right? I got a uh, Starbucks card, okay? So that's that's good. Shoot, that's awesome. I got, <laughs> I got a shirt. Wow. So this was going to be my new shirt. Yeah. Except when I put it on, it didn't fit. <laughs> Not even close. It was my shoulders... It, everything has got to fit right with shirts. It's, you know, it has to sort of drape on me. So this shirt, I, I'm, I'm trying to literally, it, 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 it did not fit. Now, granted, I like everybody else, I overrate over the holidays, but it wasn't that. No, like the your, shirt, your the shoulders, shoulders don't grow. Yeah, the shoulders just not did not fit. What a bummer. I mean, two things that you could never get during the rest of the year, yeah. and you get them on Christmas. So Day. that's it. That was that was my total haul. That's everything I got. I got a, a shirt yeah. that didn't fit, that I had to return, right. and I got a Starbucks card. Now, did you guys you do better than that? Uh, I got an iTunes card. 
There you go. Wow. iTunes car. Very nice. Costa. Um, I got this thing for the bar, which we'll all see at the, the upcoming New Year's New Year party. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where you put the big block of ice between it, and then it comes down as it melts, and it makes a perfect sphere of ice. Really? For like a wow. high, you know, bourbon or old-fashioned, whatever the case may be. <laughs> so, I really yeah. want to get one of those. Yeah. We put oh, it, we put are it we to all going to test it out that yes, night? Yes, we are. Very nice. Very Spherical nice. ice tastes better or something? <laughs> 100%. It diffuses better better as you're drinking it. All right. So Ernie's feeling good. That's yeah. good for the uh, new year. And uh, uh, tomorrow, again, I want to remind everyone with Judson here, we will be doing headlines. Obviously, it's going to be about the Chargers Raiders game. So put your mind at, uh, you know, get it working right now. Be ready to go tomorrow when we unleash headlines. All right. So I've been trying to catch up on everything. I was so excited when I saw the big Aztec victory against Gonzaga, I'm like, yes. Great game. Way to get ready for mm. the conference season. And then last night happened. God damn Yikes. It. Aztecs get blown out in the second half by Wyoming. What happened? You're going to hear from Coach Dutch coming up next. Tomorrow morning on Hardwick and Richards in the final show of 2017. Who was our favorite athlete of the year? We get started at 6 a.m. at extra 1360 Fox Sports San Diego. Cannons run along on this Thursday. Get in for the Cannon Shot of the Day three ways. You can call us 570-1360 at Cannon Hartman at Costa 1360 on Twitter. Use our text line 70470. Start your message with XTRA. You know, we were talking about this before the show, Costa, about you know, looking back on 2017 and how it projects for 2018. And the whole dynamic of San Diego sports obviously changed with the Chargers leaving. And we said, well, who's going to pick up the slack? Who is going to pick up the slack? You know, the Padres are sort of an idol right now. Yeah. I don't think that the Padres really picked up any new fans. There is a very loyal Padre fan base. Yeah. But I didn't feel like they gained anything this year. You know, they they played, I guess, basically, they they played better than people thought they were going to play. They were more competitive than people thought they were going to play. But they were kind of the Padres everybody expected. Yeah, I mean, they're they're still, to people that never were a Padre fan, they're still not a Padre fan. And nothing's going to change that until they start winning and winning consistently. So I look at San Diego State. You know, this, this was a golden year for San Diego State, a great opportunity for San Diego State to help fill the void left by the Chargers. I think the Aztec football team certainly did that. Oh, answered the call. I haven't been here since that uh, bizarre Armed Forces Bowl where Army had the ball 46 minutes to 14, (laughs) and in only 14 minutes, the Aztecs scored 35 points. Well, someone shows you a stat line of a running back, 14 carries, 221 yards, four touchdowns. You're thinking, wow, that team must have crushed who they played. Right. No, but you're playing Army. That was unbelievable. But still, another double-digit win season for Aztec football, which brings us to the basketball team. So Coach Dutcher takes over for Coach Fisher. We figure nothing's really going to change because, obviously, he's been at the uh, side of Coach Fisher all the way back to his Michigan days. He knows the program. He knows the formula for success. And when we say success, we think the Aztecs that went to the tournament six straight years. Yeah, success in San Diego means you win the you win the postseason tournament. Right. You get the bid, you or get the, you're good enough where you're just going to get a bid automatically, and you make the NCAA tournament, and you start chopping wood. So you look at some of their games this year. You know, they had the game against Cal that sort of got away from them. They've had these couple of games that sort of got away from them. And then the Gonzaga game. 
I mean, anytime you beat Gonzaga, it's it's news. 12th ranked team in the country. And by the way, even though the students are out of school, sell out at Viejas that right. night for the game. So you win against Gonzaga. Perfect way to end up your non-conference schedule. Very similar to UCLA, by the way, won their last non-conference game at Kentucky. After, you know, this all tumultuous. Great jumping off point. So you always figure it's it's great to finish the non-conference schedule on a positive note. Get the right mindset. Yeah. So you go to Wyoming. And I'm looking at Wyoming's schedule this year. They haven't played anybody. The only team they played was Cincinnati, a ranked team. And they got their doors blown off. So Wyoming is, is not a power. Or and, are they? And then, you know, Aztecs <laughs> were leading at halftime. And you're just figuring, all right, well, it wasn't a great first half. But... They'll turn it on the second half, and it, by the end of the game, they're like, <gasps> elevation, you know, it is in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, very much 7, so. 7,000 feet? 72, 20-something. That is ridiculous. It is. All right, so. Now, you know, Malik Pope said they kind of just mentally took their foot off the pedal. Well, that's not an excuse, Malik. And you're one of the senior leaders on this basketball team. What does that team. even mean? Yeah, how do you... Took your foot off the gas. They got you, blown out in the well, second half. You take a lead, and do you think, okay, it's in the bag? Do you forget where you're playing? And well, then and then you're like, well, run? we beat Gonzaga, so Wyoming's going to roll over and play dead? No. On their court? The Aztecs, and maybe this is a, a little bit of a, a seminal moment for them. They have to realize that because of the success they've had the last several years with Steve Fisher... There's still a very big bullseye on their backs. Absolutely. They, they are the team to beat in the Mountain West Conference. And so you're going to go into a Wyoming game and think you're going to roll the ball out there and just walk off with a win? No. All right. Let's uh, let's hear from uh, Coach Dutch. Uh, he was on today. <sighs> Who? Where was he on? Where was he on today? Where was he on? Uh, I think he was on the uh, the Hardwick and Richard show. Post-game show. PGS. Oh, oh post-game show last uh, night. Uh, post-game show last night. And by the way, night. Iron Pig John Schaefer had the call. Ted Leitner did not do the game. John did the call last night. Did he really? He did a great job. Never again. They yeah. lose when he does the call. Yeah, I, my same exact sentiment I was thinking, I mean, too. I did the pre-game show in the halftime. I, yeah. Yeah. Never, never again. So we had some makeshift of announcing crew. and they. Yeah, go, in Ernie's defense, they were winning when he Laughed. Mm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> was uh, Schaefer actually at the game when he did this, or was he just sitting here watching on no, TV? No, he was in no, He was there. <laughs> yeah, he was courtside. <laughs> it wasn't on TV. He, I know. He it didn't do the ESPN thing, call it from the studio. All right. So, he was there. He forgot his coat and everything. He was freezing. Yeah. All right. On the post game show, trying to figure out why Ernie was part of the broadcast and Schaefer was part of the broadcast, a completely disheveled, disoriented Brian Dutcher talked about the tough loss. They just shot an incredible percentage. We didn't uh, lock up defensively. And, you know, and as a coach, sometimes you look and you see the individual matchups. You know, some guy gets off like Dalton would get off today. And, and it's quick to say, well, who's on him? But uh, it's more of a team effort, you know. I'm sure when we watch tape, it's always to say easy to say, well, this guy was on him when he got off or when he scored some baskets. But in the end, it's a team defense. Mm -hmm. So we have to look and see who could have provided more help than we did. Well, Hayden Dalton is the guy they're talking about. He had 19 in the second half, 36 in the game. I, well, anytime I see this, this isn't just on Dutch, just coaches in general. If you got a guy on the other team that is lighting it up, and you're basically doing the same thing over and over again, then you're not you're no. not paying attention. I mean, how many times do we scream when you're watching your favorite team and some guy's going, oh, like, stop this guy, put him on the ground, do something, anything to knock this guy off his mark because this guy's just pouring him in, man. Oh, he's I in mean, the zone. I mean, you got to knock him off his mark. 36, 15, and 5, and also two block shots. 
I mean, I'm a look at. I'm, 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 is this guy going to win the Wooden Award this year? Is he Apparently. the best player in the country? At least for one night against the Aztecs, he was. Uh, Aztecs head coach Brian Dutcher last night, the post game show with our own John Schaefer. They uh, they talked about the elevation over 7,200 feet. Fatigue was a factor. Yeah, I think you know, obviously the altitude is somewhat of a factor, but I don't know if that was it. I, I don't want to take away from what Wyoming mm-hmm. did. They played sensational. You know, they, they spread us out. They drove us. You know, I wanted to take, you know, I put on the board five, six charges a day. We didn't get any. Had to step over the way they come to the basket. And, you know, we should have maybe doubled a little bit more Dalton in the low post, but he backed down. He basically, most of his back downs were from the three-point arc. And we didn't send a second defender at him enough. You know, in hindsight, probably should have tried to send a second defender at him. He was sensational. 36 points. All right. Now, we're not going to hear any panic uh, from a guy like Dutch. I mean, he's been around the block several times. That game's in the books. Coming up, Utah State was going to be coming out to Viejas on Saturday. Here's uh, Coach Dutcher on that matchup. I listened to a player on an NBA interview, and I told the guys before the game this. I said... Uh, and they play all the time. And the mm-hmm. thing he said was, don't be emotionally high and then emotionally low. Just come to work every day. Because there's so many games. And, you know, I was talking about an emotional high from Gonzaga. And win or lose here, don't be emotionally high or low. Just know that if you come to work every day, good things will happen. And so it's a message I delivered before the game. It's one I delivered after the game. We can't be too emotionally down because mm-hmm. we play again on Saturday. So we obviously have to watch the tape and learn from it as a coaching staff. But we have to look forward instead of dwelling backwards on this one and make it have it cost us a game Saturday. we got to get focused on Saturday right now. Here, here's the thing, though, Costo. I mean, again, the Aztecs have set the bar on what we expect from this basketball program. And, you know, the last couple of years did not make it into the NCAA tournament. And maybe Coach Fisher, just his run was complete. Mm-hmm. And you're figuring, all right, so... Brian Dutcher comes in, he knows these players, he knows the system, he'll put his own personal spin on things. But if this team, and they got the talent, they've got they're loaded with talent. They of course got they do. veteran talent, they got transfer talent. This is a good Aztecs team. They got team. the young guys on the bench who were stepping up. This team needs to represent the Mountain West in the tournament this year. You can't, because it's Dutch's first year and the Steve Fisher era is over, you can't get this season. The season can't be a roller coaster ride for the no, fans. No, this is this is a, a straight handoff. Yes, it has to be. There's okay. no, like, we're bringing in a new coach, a new system, and exactly. everything else. So, yeah, and so the, I think the Aztec fan base right now, there's still this little wait-and-see period with Coach Dutcher, and we know he's absolutely – um, going to get it done with this team. But again, it has to be a smooth transition where, oh, yeah, Fish won, Aztec basketball had the bar high, Dutch is going to win, bar's going to stay the same height. Now remember, if you want to join in on the conversation, we look for you to win Cannon Shot of the Day. It's something you can carry with you into the new year. Cannon Shot of the Day winner. Three ways to go about it. Give us a call, 570-1360. Lines are always open to you. Follow us on Twitter, at Cannon Hartman at Costa 1360, or you can text us at 70470. We're going to listen back to another championship played as we look forward to Super Bowl 52, an absolute bludgeoning in New Orleans, Super Bowl 24 after this. What's up? It's Rich coming up tomorrow on the Mark and Rich Show right at noon. It is the year-end special. Mark and Rich comes to a 2017 close, and we have our superlatives to share with you. That's on Extra 1360 Fox Sports, San Diego. Ken is here on this Thursday, sort of passing each other through the dark. 
so to speak. ships passing in the night. So I've been gone since last Wednesday, and Costa leaves tomorrow through the end of next week. Correct. Uh, Judson will be with me tomorrow. Pete Fox, Steve Woods, uh, they will be filling in for you next week. But today's our day together. Yes. Final show together here 2017. in 2017. Obviously, want to share it with you. Uh, before we get to the uh, recap of the biggest blowout in Super Bowl history, oh. let's take a quick call. Ron, you're on with the Loose Cannons. How you doing, Ron? All right. I <clears throat> uh, wasn't expecting to get on so soon. Anyway, is this James Harrison thing? Unbelievable story. Yeah, it's an unbelievable story, and there's a lot of talk about it, but it basically comes down to one thing. You're at the end of your career, and you got a shot to participate in the Super Bowl. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, but, whoa, 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 whoa. but here's the thing. James Harrison, this is where Steeler fans are so upset, because this is a guy who basically was brought back by the Steelers. Remember, he had announced his retirement. Yeah. He comes back to the Steelers. For the Bengals. He's not getting any playing time, so he wants out. It was really predictable that the Patriots would pick him up. Why? Because of a potential AFC championship game. James Harrison's going to spill the beans on the entire Steeler defense for Tom Brady and company. Yeah. You understand, uh, Ron, why the uh, Steeler fans are so upset? I understand why they're upset, but what else could they expect? No, that's it. It was it was a no-brainer. Once again, it's Bill Belichick. And the fact that... This, let's say the let's say the Pats win the Super Bowl. Does he get a, a paycheck for that too? Of sure. course, absolutely. If he's on the active well, roster, he gets a ring. Yeah, well, people are saying he's only getting thirty nine thousand dollars. That ain't true. Yeah, no, but, what, but what if he had stayed with the Steelers and they beat the Patriots? How about if the Steelers end up winning the Super Bowl? He ain't going to get a ring as a member of the uh, no. Patriots, no matter how many games he played for the Steelers. Because the this teammates year. vote on that. Well, they let him go, right? Yeah. But, they, listen, they let him walk. They let him walk, but the argument was is that he basically was demanding to be traded. They didn't have to, but no. again, didn't have to. and who took his place? Is who took his place on the roster? Is it going to be somebody who's going to help him win? Well, no. They they do. The thing is, he was expendable from the fact that they do have a lot of younger edge rushers right. who have played well this year. So he, I mean, he saw the handwriting on the wall. But if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm looking at somebody else. And they released and make room for offensive lineman Marcus Gilbertson, who was coming off a suspension. Believe me, from the second he signed with New England, they've been draining his brain of that entire Steeler defense. Yes, that's the way it works. Check so, mark Bill you know, Belichick. So just a little added extra for Tom Brady and company in a potential showdown with the Steelers, most likely in the AFC Championship game. Costa, since I was gone, you ran you ran by two Super Bowls I really was near and dear to me. Super Bowl 19, which was the there. 49ers-Dolphins game, right. the first Super Bowl game I actually attended. And then Super Bowl 21, the Giants and the Broncos, where I was working. I was the head of the stack crew because I was working for the Raiders. We were the host team yeah. at the Rose Bowl that day. That was the day when I told you that, that John Madden told everybody to get off the elevator because right. he rides alone. It was a hot day that day. Oh, they only God. had one working elevator that day at the Rose, but they hadn't put all the new elevators in yet. I ride alone. And so there was this long line to get on the elevator, and he got everybody out because I ride alone. Excuse me. Maybe that goes with his paranoia about flying. He thought the more people in the elevator, the higher probability gonna that crash. That, yeah, it was going to crash. Crazy stuff. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I'm literally standing like, are you kidding me? Really? He's going to ride alone? And it was like this really slow elevator. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, at the Roswell for the press box? It was the old elevator, and there was only one elevator back in those days. All right, so we're up to what? Super Bowl twenty four. The San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos. Uh, So many memories. And this one was over before it started. Super Bowl twenty four marked the Denver Broncos' third trip to pro football's pinnacle since 1987. Their fourth trip overall. They had yet to win. The San Francisco 49ers arrived in town as defending Super Bowl champions. Their fourth trip to the big game in nine seasons. They had yet to lose. On their first offensive possession, Joe Montana drove the 49ers 66 yards in 10 plays for Super Bowl 24's first touchdown. Here's the snap. Kubiak's got it down. Here's the kick. It is on the way, and it is good. And the Broncos are on the board with 6 minutes and 47 seconds to go in the first period. San Francisco 7 and the Broncos 3. Montana rolls to his right, throws to Brent Jones. Great catch. He's into the end zone. Touchdown 49ers. In the second quarter, Denver grew more determined. San Francisco became more diversified. Joe gives it to Rathman. He's into the end zone. Touchdown 49ers. The battered Broncos could not seem to fight their way off the ropes. And with 40 seconds left in the first half, they would not be saved by the bell. Pump fake by Montana. Launches it for the end zone. Jerry Rice. Oh, what a catch by Rice. Touchdown, 49ers. San Francisco's well-conceived game plan struck again. Their shell-shocked opponents would now have to live with the consequences. San Francisco's dogged defense finally forced a fatal mistake from John Elway. It was Denver's first offensive play of the second half. Elway steps back to throw, and it's intercepted by Michael Walker. He's back to the 27-yard line. Montana drops back to throw, looks over the field, goes for the end zone. Jerry Wright, touchdown 49ers! Has a little time, now starts to move out. Now he lets it go, throws it downfield, should be picked off, and it is. Jeff Brooks is back to the 50. He's down to the 45. He's to the 40, and he steps out of bounds near the 38-yard line. This time, Montana actually wasted a play before wasting the Denver Broncos. Brooks for the end zone. Taylor! Touchdown, 49ers! Two interceptions and two historic touchdown passes drained what little drama remained in Super Bowl 24. The showdown had become a one-man show. With defeat staring them in the face, the Denver Broncos now had to be concerned with the historical dimensions of their loss. It's not that the San Francisco 49ers intended to run up the score. But with so many weapons at his disposal and a Super Bowl record for points scored so close, Joe Montana just couldn't avoid it. And here comes Joe out of the ballgame. Steve Young comes in, and this gives Joe Montana a chance to get what he deserves, a tremendous ovation from this crowd. could very well be his third Super Bowl MVP award. During this ultimate team triumph, one man's performance elevated the play of all those around him. And so it came as no surprise to those who'd witnessed this coronation that Joe Montana was named the game's most valuable player, the crown prince of pro football's royal family. Back to back to back now! We gotta be satisfied. We wanna get three.
That would be it for uh, Joe Montana. True. And the end of that. Of course, the next year, they had a chance to three-peat. They came as close as any team ever has. Remember, they lost that game to the Giants with Hosteller quarterback 15-13 in San Francisco. It was a big upset. And then, of course, the Giants shocked the world by beating the Bills in the Super Bowl. What would have happened if the Bills had played the 49ers in that Super Bowl 25? That might have been uglier. I mean, that that, that 49ers... Offense was just insane. They, but that's they almost won three in a row. Yeah. 49ers until that upset. All right, let's qualify some right now for the cannon shot of the day. A drum roll, please. This out. Cannon shot, keep it up. Comes from the text line. It says, Homer, love having you back, even if you are a member of the undead. We get ready for the four four of the biggest sports stories of the day, including an ex-Charger about to get a lot richer. Coming up next.